Hey, Tim. Caitlin, hi. Long time no podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bit unusual, hey. <laughs> we haven't tried one of these since, I don't know, like at least a year or two. Since COVID was the last one we actually ran. Yeah, I think we, we thought, well, we had in our head that we would be spending a lot of time inside and have a lot of actual time to do things. <laughs> then we remembered that our job is still, was completely unchanged. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just as busy as ever. <laughs> uh, and just as uh, stressed out and traumatized as everyone else too. Yeah. So like, it, you know, it was just, it was a full on time for everyone. So mm. not really the moment that you need to be starting new projects. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. That has been our podcast journey, hasn't it? Yeah. And th- that might be this one too. I don't want to like, you know, raise any hopes uh, like this, you know. Yeah, this one could totally face plant <laughs> <laughs> as well. Or maybe we'll just have fun for one time and then never do it again for another six years or whatever. Uh, so, yeah. So sorry to disappoint preemptively. <laughs> uh, or maybe it'll become a thing. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. So. So, Caitlin, how have your last four months been? Oh, God. <laughs> Four months. Four months that would be, well, tracking back to October 7. Thereabouts, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's been, I. Uh, it's just been one long scroll of death and destruction and just trying to, uh, to take in the enormity of what is occurring in our name. Yeah. With our tax dollars? It's been so bad. It's been so awful. Like, I I normally love our thing, our project that we work on. Yeah, same. Um, but I've, it's been really stressful, yeah, hasn't I've it? I've never enjoyed it less than I have these last four months. Yeah, trying to keep on top of what is really just the most heinous war crime, ongoing war crime. Yeah, uh, do you remember like in, at the beginning in the first few weeks or first couple of months or whatever, where like we were starting to get that sort of Tetris effect uh, when yeah. we closed our eyes only instead of Tetris blocks, it was we could like see the little, dead little kids, dead kids. We were both getting that dismembered, you know, that was just there. Yeah, this is just our job. Yeah. And now we're not seeing it as much because they've succeeded in cutting off a lot of the internet and hiding a lot of it and everything. And murdering a lot of journalists. Yeah, they've murdered so many journalists. And, uh, you know... You've or, been, or driven them out. Right. Mm. A couple or, of them ran for their own safety. Yeah, yeah. Like Motaz and uh, Whale. Yeah. Um, Bazan is still in there. Yeah. I mean, you know... and that poor, poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> How old is she? She's like... 23 or 4 or something. Oh, God. Not even, you know, she opens every segment with, uh, hi, it's Bazan and I'm still alive. <laughs> and it is like hearing your kid come through the door on a Saturday night, like just the relief of like, you know, ah, okay. <sighs> um, what, is, what a horrible thing for a journalist to have to say every day. Well, yeah, and the, here's the thing. She wasn't a journalist per se, when this all started, she mm. was... Uh, like an influencer, huh? Yeah, just an Instagram chick, like, who, who did these awesome little lifestyle pieces on, on what it was like to live where she lived. Yeah, you showed me clips of her, like, before that. Yeah. She was just, like, pretty, full of light. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bouncy and optimistic and just gorgeous. But, you know, Looks just... just so harrowed now. She's seen such horrors. She has. It has been to our benefit that she has shown what she has she- seen too and that we've had, you know, just a kind of taster of what 
of what they're going through on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it ain't just the Gazans who've been filming the horrors happening in Gaza. No, I mean, that's actually probably the worst footage often is, is from IDF soldiers themselves. Just giving thumbs up with something horrible happening in the background. Right, yeah. And today we found out that the Telegram channel that was, you know, basically feeding out all those, like, virtually snuff videos. Literally snuff literally videos. Snuff that's the videos. thing that's, like, I'm sure a lot of the people watching it were not at all, didn't give a fuck about Israel Gaza at all. They were just people who liked to see people getting killed. Oh, God. Yeah, well, yeah, um, was run by the IDF. Mm. Some of the worst footage, the most up, up close, you know, footage of like soldiers bulldozing people and uh, doing all sorts of things. The gorier, the better for them, really. They like people would, and a lot, of, a lot of Israelis, a lot of Israelis loved watching this. They loved watching Palestinian people die horribly. This has been what's really fascinating to me is how a whole population can be paced into cheering for genocide. I saw a little video on Instagram yesterday of this well-to-do looking older lady, probably, you know, her, her 60s, Israeli woman protesting the aid going into Gaza, doing sit-ins and protests and stuff like that, using the language of protest, you know, <laughs> using the language of, you know, this, this has to stop. This is so unfair. We cannot be feeding our enemies. We cannot be giving succor to our enemies. Well, and is this one of the ones that are, they're not just actually protesting, they're no, actually no, no, blockading? No, yeah, blockading like, the aid going in. So no, not really any different from U.S. and Saudi warships stopping food from getting into Yemen a few years ago. Like, right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Um, you know, and and fully thinking that she was absolutely correct in that. Mm. Yeah. No, these children should obviously starve. Yeah. So there's no reaching someone when they've reached that level of brainwashing. You know, that's kind of there's no amount of dead babies you can show that her without her thinking, well, good. Right. You know, that's. That's a terrorist baby or whatever the fuck that... Right, yeah. And I like that lack of empathy probably wouldn't have been possible if it hadn't, like, even before, well, before October 7th, if there hadn't been this kind of primer coating put down of the the sort of indoctrination that makes uh, an apartheid state um, that keeps two million people in a giant concentration camp the, the, that legitimizes that idea, that legitimizes such such a tyrannical and abusive system. Right. Israelis have been, you know, they grow up in that. Right. The Jewish diaspora gets indoctrinated with a good chunk of it, not nearly as much, but Israelis especially, like they just grow up saturated in it. Right, uh, yeah. To the point where they they just think that, you know, a lot of them think the baby's not going hard enough. Mm. Um, you know, despite being held up by the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, for potentially committing genocide. Yeah. So and, <laughs> none of that is kind of reached in and and shook them awake. No, they're just sort of like either, yeah, no, that's not what this is. If, if they're a little more on the left, they're just sort of like, no, we were defending ourselves or whatever. And if they're a little more on the right, they're just like, yeah, we're genocide numb, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And that has been the most eye-opening thing, being online all the time and, you know, putting out tweets and things like that. And then the comments that we get back are just insane, insane. People are going, you know, you'll be talking about children dying and they're like, well, fuck around and find out. This is the, the find out part. To a kid, to a, the, about a child, about a dead, it's like sta- you're standing over a pile of dead children and, and doing like po- yeah, tough oh, guy oh, posturing. Oh, oh, fuck oh, around and find out, yeah, kid. Uh, yeah. It's so it's fucking about gross, as e- evil man. as you can imagine. It's so fucking gross. It's- yeah, I don't know. This this whole thing has been very educational for me. Like I knew the Israeli government was horrible and I knew, you know, a lot of the political factions were really bad, but I didn't really know just how gross Israelis and Israel supporters outside of Israel could be about all this. Like I didn't know they would be so openly disgusting. Mm. And the other thing that keeps happening is that I'll come across something and think, oh, that's too horrific. Like that just, that can't be real. Mm. That can't be real. That's AI or that's, you know. Th- that's just some hoax. That's some sort of. They're framing that in, you know, in a really. Yeah, because the, we've seen that happen. Hyperbolic way. Right. Yeah. That, that just happened a lot of times with like Syria or Ukraine or whatever. That it's like yeah, you've got to be careful. Yeah, some, you so there's some clickbait guy yeah. trying to capitalize on the on the moment and, and get a lot of clicks. But they didn't know that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh, no. The IDF really is just. Snuff right. films or like, you know, yeah. It's, over um, and over and over again that's been happening. We're like, all right, that's obviously bullshit. Oh, Jesus Christ. And it still happens. Like, right. even after how many times we've seen this, it's still like, that can't be real. No. Nah, that's real. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the telegram thing about the, the snuff films, that was the last time it happened to me. That was about uh, 18 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing is just um, it's been a kind of like, like a, a guidebook for propaganda and how ham-fisted you can be about lying as long as you just continue to lie. And then once you've lied for long enough and established that as a norm, then you can backtrack and say, oh, yeah, well, we did actually do that. But the norm stands. And I'm talking about Al-Shifa Hospital. Right. Or the, or the one before it, the, the, the first the first hospital they went after, the that Baptist hospital where, where there, there was an, an explosion. They were like, we would never bomb a hospital. Right, right. <laughs> There's no functioning hospitals anymore because they've all been bombed. Right, yeah, yeah. But we, we you know, debated for weeks online about Al-Shifa particularly, I right. remember. Is it Hamas, whatever thing? And yeah, then it was it, the rockets fire. You yeah, know, and like, then it turned out it wasn't at all. Like the Washington Post did a whole thing on it. It wasn't. And, the, and they're still attacking hospitals and they're... There's, there's no functioning healthcare system in Gaza anymore. Yeah, we we don't talk about hospitals anymore. We don't talk about the legitimacy of bombing hospitals because that was established as a norm. And I think this is actually kind of scary for the rest of, you know, warfare. Mm. Like, right. are we going to get to the point where that is just a norm all over the world? Like, <laughs> right. real, honestly. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah if the, the US, if the US goes and, and bombs a hospital, like, is that... A, We've kind of already established that that's fine and normal to do. Right. Because Israel did it. Yeah. Um, they just started attacking these hospitals and then it was just deny, 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 lie, 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 lie. And then you find out weeks or months later, okay, that was all a lie. And uh, in the it's meantime. Like, well, yeah, well, okay, well, it already happened. So that's normal. So we, that's, you, you should stop being shocked about that. That's just the way the world is. Right. Exactly. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and then they dig into our preemptive disappointment, our, like, you know, our learned helplessness. Oh, well, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Which is, you know, death to any kind of protest movement if people are just preemptively disappointed and, um, you know, I'm not shocked. You know, that those sorts of things that, that, that particularly leftists lean on um, to feel intellectually superior but actually really harm our uh, agenda in, in trying to enforce norms and social mores and, and morals and ethics and stuff and, and try to make a better world because we're kind of backtracking all the time going, ah, yeah, well, you know, I knew that. Mm. They'd rather know that than actually change things by, you know, acting shocked. Right. And uh, yeah, there's this that's weird. Wrong. There's this weird taboo about publicly acknowledging that you're surprised and being yeah, shocked. Yeah, you just have to sort of be smugly knowing better and just sort of. Well, of course that happens. Yeah. Of course Israel did that. Yeah, and it just it, that actually doesn't help anyone, mm, mate. No, you know, it really. I, I mean, yes, you win that. You win that <laughs> you little exchange. To, you, you, look, look cool. you look cool. For you a get bit, to look right? like the one who knew better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but first of all, it is shocking. Like if you're in touch with your humanity and your emotions and your empathy, you have a functioning empathy center. Um, it's going to shock you and mm. it should shock you and you should let it shock you. You should never let yourself get uh, desensitized to that. Never let them take that away from you. And also you're just harming the impact. You're, you're diminishing the impact of the thing that just happened. Right. Yes. Because it is the shock of things that will change stuff that's what snaps people's eyes open to oh yeah <laughs> that's just the way the world is shoveling a sleeping sand all over the thing and causing mm. inertia mm. Like, oh, well you know well yeah you're an idiot if you if you were shocked by that yeah it, no you're not you're right. fucking a normal person or like the iraq wmd thing that snapped that snapped so many people's eyes open and created so many anti-war activists you, you have to have it has to actually astonish you that your government did that and lied about it and the media helped them mm. and um you want people to really absorb that you want real people to really it's important that people really grok what's in front of them right really get it in but, that moment too like not later not mm. in, you know hmm you know I, I, I had to think about that and that was actually quite shocking like, yeah, that doesn't help yeah and you know that it's it's important for people to to get that for that shock wave to, to ripple through at its maximum effect because Israel and its apologists and defenders spend so much energy trying to mitigate that initial shock it, that's exactly what they're doing they're mitigating it that's so true mm -hmm. like yeah and because that shock is that first shock will give you the no right right no. they're trying they're trying to dampen that no yeah like the um the the guy who the the idf guys who sniped that dude with the the camera in front of that western press yeah right the, there's a western journalist filming and the, the idf sniped a, a palestinian who was holding a white flag right in front of the camera right in front of the camera they had literally just been doing an interview with this guy it was i think it was itv mm. they were talking to him the guy the guy and his little posse explained you know that they had to get to the to the other side to get to their family and they were going to take this white flag and um they were scared for their lives and uh but you know that they needed to get to just across this street and right in front of their eyes, he got killed. Yeah, the camera was facing him at when it happened and stuff. 
you know, this has been happening a lot, but this is the first time it happened in front of a Western video camera, right. news camera. Um, and the IDF denied it. They were like, when IDV published it, there was a segment missing um, yeah, just after like, the gunshot. Maybe like it was a few seconds, two mm. or three seconds. It was, yeah, it was like the, um, I think it was a little longer than that. I think it was like 10 or 12 seconds or, or like the, it was enough for the, the guy to, the cameraman to run for his own safety because he was worried right. he was going to get shot right. and then turn back and face the, the person lying on the ground. And ITV, I guess this was fr directly from their news broadcast where they have to edit everything for time and stuff and all that the, the camera jiggling and stuff didn't make for good television. So they snipped it out. So the IDF was like, this has clearly been edited. <laughs> well, yeah, and they knew they knew that the footage was out there. They know you they know ITV News isn't going to just lie about what their own footage contains. But there and, and that the truth would come out a few days later. But that doesn't matter if it comes out a few days later. What matters is that initial impact. Right. Is mitigated by then, by them throwing some sort of doubt onto it. And so, it's like, oh, you, are you really looking at the do you, do you really do you really know what you're looking at? It dampens the reverberations, like how sound studios have those the foam on the walls to dampen the. Yeah. It, it just soaks it up. They're just, that's their whole that's their whole job is to just dampen the sound. Right. And then continue marching forward yeah um and then the next time you see a palestinian shot while carrying a white flag it's not going to have the initial impact because we found out later that that's just normal and that's what always happens right so yeah that's really been our job for four months i think like encapsulated is making sure that people are really seeing this and taking it in and not dissociating, not compartmentalizing, not making it into something else, not relaxing into a know-it-all sort of posture. Not letting it become normalized. And not letting it become normalized because if we let it become normalized, that will be our normal. Yeah, it needs to be, we need to keep pointing out, no, 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 this is freakish. This is profoundly unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, allowing this to, to become normal is just like allowing cancer cells to be, become normal. It's like exactly, allowing exactly. A, a grave illness to just go, oh, yeah, well, it's just supposed to be like that. Right, yeah. That's where I really think art and stuff like that can really help as well. And I, I've seen that kind of artists have stepped up about mm. this. Oh, that's been, been so great. Yeah, so many different types of, like, graphics and you know paintings and songs and we've been doing some poetry mm. um, because if you come at it from like a creative artistic angle you can really capture some of the the raw emotion of the horror and the the, the terrifying circumstances these people are in and just the the shock that of of seeing how wicked we can be yeah, it's like uh, our emotional bodies have kind of a, a, a more, in a, in, a, in a weird way, we have a more rational response to what we're seeing emotionally than we do intellectually. Right, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, if we intellectualize what we're seeing, it, it can actually really minimize the reality and and the urgency of what needs to happen. Right, and that, that, that feeling of, you know, ceasefire now, that everyone just wants this to fucking stop, just stop. <laughs> and it, it hasn't. 
it seems like it's ramping up. No, they're looking they're at us. Bombing in they're bombing in Rafa. They're looking us right in the eye. Yeah. It's 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 like we're every, uh, the whole. It's like someone's being stabbed to death in in the town square, and everyone's looking at him, and he's just looking at looking around at everyone, and just plunging the knife in again and again. Right, and daring and, us to do it to do something. Yeah, and not just Israel. The the most powerful governments in the world are doing this. Absolutely, and that has been so shocking as an Australian too. Like you know, freaking Anthony Albanese. He used to attend pro-Palestine protests and there's, you know, there's footage of him (laughs) making these rousing speeches about the Palestinian cause. He's our prime minister Mm. and he has just, what a soft cock. What a fucking soft, wuss bag soft cock. I'm just so disgusted by him. He is such a wuss. And And Penny Wong, mm. you know, another woman who, like, you know, has talked all the talk, she will not walk the walk and she's been so insidious about the way that she's kind of like reworded and reframed everything so that, you know, in within the language of leftism so that it sounds kind of halfway reasonable when what she's talking about is just an ongoing fucking genocide. Penny, stop. Yeah, and that's that's the job of the Australian Labour Party really is to put a friendly face on the malfeasance and atrocities of the empire. Right. Just like the Democratic Party, just like the UK Labour Party. That's their whole... Their whole function is to to put a humanitarian, sensible, adults-in-the-room face on this murderous and tyrannical, the most murderous and tyrannical power structure on the planet. Well, see, and, you know, small mercies, it is fantastic that the Democrats, both the Democrats and in Australia, you know, the Labor Party, the so-called left party, uh, and in Canada, Trudeau. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, have to face, have to be the face of this. And have to just show us who they are. See, if it was in a, if they were the right wing party, you'd be just like, there'd be just this massive rage against them. Mm. We wouldn't really be seeing how the two fists of the empire work, you know, that the, the, the jab setting you up and then the cross. Right. Yeah. The, right. It's, it's, it's exposing the empire like re- more than anything, really. And because of that. You know, just the fact that like Biden has is doing things that are much worse than anything Trump has done, like quantifiably. Right, he's completely blown Trump away right. in terms of like you know. And you could already arguably make that case with the nuclear brinkmanship with Ukraine, but now he's backing an active genocide and just telling reporters, "Yeah, no, it's going to keep happening. We're not going to stop." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like just really blatantly, just just slamming the brakes on any possibility of of bringing um, some humanness to the situation and 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 trying to work for peace. He's been bombing three countries in facilitation of it. Right. Yeah. He's been bombing Iraq and Syria and Yemen to to help it continue. While having all the power in that too. Yeah, and while pouring weapons into into, into that genocide. Yeah, there's really, you know, well, 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 being able to do whatever the fuck he liked actually. Like, mm. it, you know, he could stop this genocide today. Mm. He could stop all of this just by saying, well, we won't supply weapons to it. We won't supply money. Yeah. Israel would have to back off and that would be the end of that. Yeah, the Israelis fully acknowledge that this would be impossible without the U.S. They they would have to stop. Right, yeah. And instead they're getting like, what was it, like 50 jet planes, fighter jets and 12, oh, heli- 12 Apache helicopters. Yeah. They're getting ready to send that over there. It's just that, that those will be used to murder children yeah. or to start a war with Lebanon. Right, yeah. But what makes me optimistic, Timothy, mm. is... 
we have been doing this for seven years now and uh, never, ever, ever have we been remotely mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) We've been very fringe characters, haven't we, and always kind of punching from the the very outer rim of the narrative matrix. Mm. Uh, You know, that's why we called it Notes from the Edge of the Narrative Matrix. Uh, And... Now I find myself in the situation where I'm talking to my kids and my kids' friends and they're they're all on board and they see it so clearly. Mm. Uh, they see every part of it, which was fascinating to me because, you know, we, we have really struggled to kind of show all the outlines of, of of how the empire works and whether there is even an empire, right. you know, that, that has been in dispute, you know, that there is this kind of rough coalition of um, Western countries and corporations, etc., that kind of coalesce. I think at one point we were using the word the blob, the, the, mm. the Western empire blob, to shore up areas of geostrategic influence and uh, keep the resources flowing. And... Just this Israel thing um, really snaps some eyes open to how it operates. Yeah, because it's so blatant. There's, I mean, everything else you could put spin on. Like with Syria, they could just sort of hide the fact that they were pouring all these weapons into extremist factions with the goal of toppling Damascus. With Libya, they could disguise it as a humanitarian intervention. With Ukraine, you could call it a unprovoked invasion by Putin and, you know, the U.S. was just standing there minding its own business. <laughs> yeah, NATO yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> Twiddling of thumbs. <laughs> this, they're just murdering kids yeah. and making snuff films out of it. Right, yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, it really is just like in your fucking face. Mm. But it is also showing up all the different parts of it. Like, I, I'm reminded of, you know, um, that dye they put in your body when they're trying to show up the cancer. Um, like, the barium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, because it's it, really spotlighted it. Yeah, you know, including all the elements of like, um, you know, countries like Australia that like mm. appear to be these kind of benign sort of like independent, sovereign, <laughs> just separate countries over there don't mind in their own business, doing their own things. Right. Yeah, having their own thoughts and feelings about things. Right. Uh, no, and, no, and it's just sort of like yeah, it's sort of like switched off all, all the lights on on all the other countries, and it's just it's brought the, the lights of these other countries just right to the forefront, and it's just sort of spotlighted the whole. So here's the empire. Here's what it works. Here's where it's, here's where its member states are. Here's what they do. Yeah, and here's a, and here's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's been it's that's been really wonderful actually. <laughs> like uh, we've been waiting for something like this uh, for a long, long time. Yeah. Oh man. If 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 this was happening, minus all the dead children and right, massacred yeah. civilians, it would be just wonderful and worthy of celebration. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, instead of a, a dim silver lining on the most horrific thing we've ever witnessed, right? Yeah, yeah, <sighs> that's not funny, Jim. It's yeah, it's, well, you can do is laugh sometimes. I know, well, yeah, it's a coping mechanism. So, you have some questions. Oh, yeah, we got questions. We asked for before we did this podcast, we asked uh, Twitter for, for some questions, and so I, I had a read through them, but you've chosen them, so yeah. Um, the first, the first one I chose, uh, yeah. by Lark002, uh, is, uh, who is Tim? <laughs> <laughs> not Tim Pool. No, not Tim, not or, Tim Pool. T- Some people thought when you said you're going to do a podcast with Tim, they thought, oh no, the beanie guy? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Tim Dillon was another one I, I, oh, I saw right. people thought. I, guess, were... yeah, I didn't realize there were, there were a bunch multiple of... Multiple Tims. Yeah. Turns out. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Tim, hi. Wait, who are you, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm I'm Caitlin's husband and co-writer, and I'm the American voice that you hear doing the readings of the articles. Um, we, I'm just the other half of our of of the project. I, you know, we're in a constant state of collaboration, and um, I'm pretty much involved in in everything everything that we're putting out there. Right. It's my name, but it's really both of us, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just like you need to pick a name for for, for yeah, you to have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm from the U.S. Uh, I came here to marry Caitlin. Um, we're both divorcees. We met each other on a spirituality forum years and years ago, and uh, I came over here in 2016, and we got hitched, and then the this weird project of ours erupted the next year, and. Hmm. I had a journalism degree and I was, but I, mainly this came from Facebook posts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you were, you'd been writing really enthusiastically about the Bernie Sanders campaign <laughs> back when we, oh back when we still believed in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people started paying attention to this was actually, that was in 2016. And then, uh, yeah, we went crowdfunded in 2017 and started making U.S. foreign policy and criticism of the empire kind of our thing. And we've been sort of writing about that pretty much every day ever yeah. since then. So I'll, basically what happens is we just have these conversations about what we're seeing and what it's like. And and then ideas come out and and we and that turns into ideas for articles. And we get ideas, then we get headlines and yeah. But it's, yeah, it's really just a part of our conversation about things. I mean, really, we're kind of obsessed about this album <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, it was, you know, Caitlin's a mother, so th- we have, like, a real investment in the future of our species. Well, and I think that was that kind of... I can track my beginning back to a conversation I had with my kids who were both very worried about the future... And I found myself saying, don't worry, look, we fucked this up. I've got this. I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. Just let it, you know, let me handle it. Imagine if all... <laughs> so I thought, and then I went away and went, thought, I better handle it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but imagine if all, all the older generations did that. Imagine if everyone from, the, from our generation and older generations did that and said, you know, or, I'm, I take responsibility for this. It's my job to fix it. Instead of just like, you know, you young kids are fuck ups and you use pronouns wrong and oh, yeah. spend too much time on TikTok or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do feel like the genera- I, the generation I'm from, Gen X, really fucking fluffed it. Like we we were handed the torch by the boomers and then we kind of like stood around and lit our cigarettes off. <laughs> Decided, <it. laughs> let's make apathy cool. Yeah. Let's make the coolest thing you can possibly do to not care about anything. Oh, well, whatever. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. That was the, the rallying cry of my generation. Yeah. You know, and then you're a bit younger. Um, yeah, I'm a millennial technically. And uh, yeah, we, we weren't any better. Really. Well, I mean, I think you guys, because we, we fucked it so bad and then you had no money and like right, no, yeah. no prospects. And so you started thinking, this is, 
maybe what we're being sold on the packet here is, you know, the ingredients aren't actually in what we're, we're eating. Like I think in terms of democracy and stuff like that, Millennium started to um, question that. I mean, I think Bernie Sanders was... Uh, yeah, that was a millennial-driven thing. And so, for sure. So yeah. so, yeah, I guess I guess there has been been a bit of a stirring on, on, on my part of it. But the Gen Z people, really, if you... If you compare what millennials have done to what Gen Z has been doing for Palestine these last four months, no, yeah, what a what a pleasant surprise that has been. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just been this explosion of health. Yeah, from yeah. this younger generation, everyone's been shitting on for years. <laughs> yeah, and whoa, holy, what have you guys been talking about on your little phones over there? Yeah. In you, your Discord you, servers, and you, <laughs> you've been doing so much better than us. <laughs> Yeah, and I do think that they've kind of formed their own sort of like culture mm. uh, aside outside of like, you know, television and all these kind of uh, uh, centralised forces of, of culture that, that, you know, I grew up with television and then, you know, you grew up with the internet, mm. um, but not really. No, not really. And, and not, not, not with like, like, like social media being a part of my, the, the life breath of, of my childhood or anything. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, these kids have been able to just kind of talk things through, make mistakes, course correct, you know. Uh, but they've been the first generation ever in human history to create their own culture. Mm, like, yes. like they're the first generation ever that would watch, that would rather watch. That, and that has the technological ability to watch uh, someone their own age talking to a camera. Right, yeah. Than, you know, some comedy show that was written by people three times older than them. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, and that, that they, they've they been talking through these things completely outside of the, the, the normal structures, outside of the, um, the gatekeeping communities of Hollywood and, you know, and the news media and everything. And and it turns out that it's yielded some really great stuff. Yeah. There's some like really anti-capitalist sentiment, anti-imperialist <laughs> sentiment that just came out of fucking nowhere because it wasn't being adequately policed by the propaganda services of the empire. Right. Yeah. And, and, and because they talking to each other all the time, they have this unity, this kind of force of like, of many. So there's really not a lot you can do to, to, f- fuck with their minds about it mm. like they've made their minds up collectively about this yeah and well yeah and they've decided that we don't know what the fuck we're talking about and they're correct yeah like you know <laughs> we were the ones who ruined it so it's like yeah yeah right, well fuck off then you yeah don't, you, don't you had your vote. chance go yeah. away <laughs> we're gonna do our own thing uh, the gender thing we're changing that <laughs> yeah. doing stuff differently yeah we're not going to get drafted in the army. We're not, we're not signing up. We're not enlisting for the army no more. That's not happening anymore. I'll, that was a bit of a shock. Yeah. We're not going to work shit jobs no more. We'll just quit. Oh, I love how they do that. Yeah. What the fuck? It's like, we're never going to own our own homes anyway. We'll just live with our parents. <laughs> yeah. And they've really shaken things up a bit and I'm here for it. Uh, should I do another question? Yes, please. Uh, Joss Asselbergs says, do you guys ever disagree on the topics you cover? Oh, yeah. Not really. Um, no. <laughs> we kind of... Um... Well, like, Caitlin's in charge. That's, like, that's... <laughs> yeah, so, that's so, why, that's that, why it's in Caitlin's name. I do name. not... <laughs> do not question me. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, like, Caitlin's, Caitlin's really... 
like how that sounds. No, no, it's, that's not what it, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not okay. Let me rephrase it. Caitlin is our moral compass. I I feel like Caitlin has more wisdom and and more of a better understanding. Um, and and that's why this whole thing is in her name and why why she has full editorial control of everything. Is I just sort of I just sort of really trust Caitlin. I feel like if someone uh, offered to hand the keys of the world, the steering wheel of the world to one person, I would say, yeah, to give it to Caitlin. Oh, the God. world will be, a, <laughs> the world will be a lot better. No, I will. You just, no, you, thank you though. <laughs> I know, I know you would refuse and that's why it would have to go to you. You're the sort of person who would reject it. But if, but just Caitlin is the wisest and, and, um, uh, best person I know. Um, just everything she does is sort of born of this goodwill toward Jesus humanity. Christ, Tim. <laughs> just let me say my thing, man. Okay. Um, so I just sort of, if, if, if I feel any sort of objection, like I used to be a libertarian back in the day. Um, and the kid back when I was a Catholic, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to find some way for, for there not for socialism to not be the only possible solution to humanity's problems. Um, so I like, I don't, I don't necessarily have the best take on things and, and Caitlin is and just by talk, by having these conversations and stuff, Caitlin has, has really shown me things. And if I, if I feel like I'm not seeing something that Caitlin is seeing, I just ask her what she's seeing and, and I eventually figure it out. <laughs> All right, you know, okay. I guess libertarian does not have any answer for ecocide or <laughs> for the, the, for caring for the needful or anything like that. And there's capitalism does have to go things like that. Uh, so, but, but that was early days. Like now, yeah, they were the arguments we had, wasn't it, in the beginning? Yeah, not even really arguments, just sort of like, well, yeah. why is that true? Yeah. Um, but I think that was even before our, before our project started, really. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and now <laughs> now I'm just I feel like I'm so sort of aligned with you. Yeah, I mean, we really don't. Uh, occasionally, like, I mean, we we do bring each other different perspectives. Yeah. I'm just interested in what you. Yeah, it's, it's not, not really an argument. It's right. just it's not, like uh, yeah, it's not. We're never really disagreeing. We're just sort of like we we're coming at things from a different angle. Mm-hmm. So it's like so what what so so I can I can bring a perspective on something that you wouldn't have noticed before, and vice versa. Right. Yeah, and we do have like you know we we do come from different kind of perspectives in general, and I think the libertarian thing has kind of shaped a little bit of us as well. Mm. You know. It's not well. Just not being grossed out by libertarians, I think, has been <laughs> yeah. turned out to be really helpful because there's some of the best, kind of like Scott Horton and Dave DeCamp and stuff. There's some of the best anti-war commentators in the U.S. Exactly, and we have sort of like an. Unaf- and I would never have looked in that area, <laughs> right? So. No, but I was looking at that. And I was like, these guys are great. They have a lot to say about about this specific thing. About the maybe maybe we don't agree with them on economics or anything, but uh, you know, Dave DeCamp is is. Yeah, can we talk about him? Oh, he's one of the best. He's one, we love him. He's one yeah. of the best one of the best anti-war voices out there and he's and in some areas he's he's doing he's doing commentary that no one else is doing no one else is is documenting the movements of the empire the way he is yeah as and meticulously his every detail to his youtube summaries have become like you know an essential part of our daily yeah, viewing yeah, haven't yeah, they? We, yeah we love watching it <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah i mean it's very it, it, he just yeah he keeps a real eye on oh, 
on the movements of the war machine. He he has the same makeup we do. I just I, we found out a little while ago. He's, oh, that's right. He's got an Australian wife as well. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. There's yeah kinship there as well. But like yeah, yeah. no, he's fantastic, and you should check him out on YouTube because it's. S- solely underwatched. That. It is. It's ridiculously underwatched. I think he. Th- I think that, 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 that it's only a matter of time before people start really looking at him as a source of authority and and, and just to, someone with the finger on the pulse because he just documents everything, even stuff that's not that interesting. He, he, if it's a news story that has to do with the behaviors of the U.S. war machine, he writes it all out. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. Um, yeah, and he also scratches that itch that, like, you know, I used to love watching the news a long time mm. ago. And sitting down watching him is like watching the news, isn't it? Right, like, yeah. It's got that same kind of vibe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just... such a nerd, though. Not many people love watching the news, but I, <laughs> I grew yeah, no. up in a journalism family. Like, yeah, a, the but... news was the most exciting part of our day. <laughs> right. Yeah, and now you get to do that without being propagandized. Right, yes. Yeah, without that yucky feeling of, like, you know, what are you not saying about this? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, Ed McKean asks, what are the ways that people deeply attached to the status quo, even whilst recognizing it stinks, can be encouraged to let go their grip? Okay, that's a really deep question. Yeah, but it's it's also kind of like that's, that's sort of what we grapple with every day. Like that's sort of what our whole project is about, yeah. kind of. Like it's about opening eyes. It's about getting people who are right on the cusp of just yeah <laughs> to, to snap their eyes open that's sort of that's sort of where it's at and and it is the 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 ones who are most primed for like a real realization a real eye opening are the the ones who are sort of attached to the status quo but recognize that it sucks like they're not you know the ones who are really married to the status quo and are deeply invested in explaining why it's fine like really rich people yeah are not really, <laughs> they're not going to be susceptible to pointing to things like Gaza or whatever. We call them the bonies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it was, spoiler alert for the movie Warm Bodies. Yeah. If, any, if you ever want to watch the, the movie Warm Bodies, but you don't want to know how it ends, uh, don't listen to the next few seconds. But there's, in the movie Warm Bodies, everyone's turning into, there's, they got a zombie. It's a zombie movie and, and everyone's being turned into zombies. But they figured out, and and if you're and if you're a zombie for a long enough time you turn into what they call a bony which is like the flesh is all fallen off and they're like these evil skeletons and they they kill you and stuff um but they figured out that the zombies can be loved back into humanness but the bonies can't they're too far gone right and it's become part of our lexicon hasn't it like, yeah. So, yeah yeah and too too far gone can't be saved so we just focus on the ones who can you know the real aggressive zionists are the ones we've just been blocking lately it's right like, yeah if you say if, you, if your bio says proud zionist <laughs> bye <Okay. laughs> that's yeah. not okay to be you, it's not an okay thing for it's like saying proud pedophile <laughs> fuck off you're beyond redemption. Right, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people are just kind of like um, looking at this, particularly particularly at what's happening in Gaza and going, shit, that is awful. Yeah, so what, what you can do and what we try to do is is expand consciousness, expand awareness of what's happening. That's We, we say this over and over and over again in article after article, but it's like all healthy movements in humanity, all movements toward health begin 
with an expansion of awareness. You have to recognize that there's a problem and recognize that the problem is undesirable. And then from there, you can begin working toward health. And that's true whether you're talking about, you know, problems in the macro, where you're talking when you're talking about humanity as a great collective, like realizing that racism is wrong, for example, that's mm. our collective understanding. Enough, enough awareness was spread through activism, through writing, mm. um, through journalism, that racism is this, this uh, harmful force in our society and is undesirable. And, and, and not conducive to a conscious and well-functioning society. Um, so we got rid of it. Or we, we haven't gotten rid of it. We, <laughs> yeah. no, we, 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 we got rid of the, the belief that it's fine. Right. And now it's something that people sort of have to keep secret or yeah, do um, another way be, or... be fringy about it or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, so, so it, as a collective, it works that way. But also like as an individual, you know, uh, you're not going to kick a drug addiction problem unless there's an expansion of awareness, unless you realize that you have a problem and that it needs to end. You have to become really conscious of that. And you're really not going to get a handle on your addiction until you find out what inside you has been driving it. What, right. What's, where's that pain coming from? Where's that, where's that trauma or whatever? And bring that into consciousness and heal that. That's why I love, um, you know, the fact that Gabal Mate is, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky has that been? Him and Aaron. Yeah, just yeah. These, these twin, like, yeah, just, just he's, talk, he's talking about the, the, the individual. Um, addiction. But it is very related to, to how we, you know, uh, we do have an addiction to the status quo. And like, just how it's all trauma-based and, and, and everything. And yeah. Yeah, sort of, yeah, it's sort of like the, both him and his son are talking about um, different the, aspects the, of the same thing. Yeah, the internal and the external right. version of it but that's what you can do just really just keep pointing to just try to expand awareness keep showing people over and over and over again this is happening this is why it's happening this is who's doing it this is what it looks like right this is why it's bad this is how horrifying it is to get fight that desensitization and you know and and expand your own consciousness as well mm. i'm convinced that that's really all you really need to do is to to make sure that you understand it from every angle and that you can, you know, understand it to the point where you can talk about it, you know, fluently and without any kind of like wobble on it. You'd, you'd see it like you would you'd be able to explain the back of your own hand. And that way then when people talk to you about it, you can talk about it in normal terms and, um, and they too will see what you're seeing. Normal terms as opposed to like using a bunch of esoteric jargon, a bunch of borrowed right. concepts and stuff. Yeah. You really need to, to get, get beyond that and, and work out what you're seeing in your own words for yourself, which does require, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't say study, but examination. Mm. Um, yeah. Getting real, real with yourself, doing a lot of inner work. Yeah, and seeing how it operates in you, mm. you know. We've grown up in the empire. This is, it, it is normal for us. We we have normalised empire thinking in our brains. It's like water for fish. Yeah, and so find that in yourself as well, you know. Get real about the fact that you're you're not separate from it. <laughs> we're, we're a part of it. We're all a part of it. And, um, and those uh, uh, internal... Uh, epiphanies about how you're a part of it are gold, aren't they? Like mm. that that's really where you can explain uh, the, the machinations of the empire from a very personal perspective because you know it. 
you right. you've you've seen it inside you. You know how you could, you have been abused and can be abusive, etc. And that understanding of of how um, your own inner mechanisms relate to how all these inner dynamics relate to the outer dynamics and that we see in the outer world. That's what gives you a authority to talk about. You can speak from your own authority and in, 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 in normal terms instead of having to say, well, Mark says da-da-da-da-da or right, well, yeah. Bernie says da-da-da-da-da. You can just, just talk about it from, from your own perspective, from where you're seeing things. Which so, is probably, well, you know, an, an, an unseen aspect of our thing is that we spend heaps of time on internal work. On our- yeah, I mean, that's what, that was that was how we connected. And we, we'd both been spending years and years doing inner work and completely ignoring politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then that hasn't stopped. Like we, right. we both spend, you know, hours each day doing that. So mm. uh, as well as as the writing, et cetera. Yeah, and they, they both complement each other. You're... you're inner work will complement your ability to expand awareness of, of the malfeasance of the empire in, in, and also expanding your awareness of the malfeasance of the empire will get you looking inward <laughs> yeah. and asking questions about yourself. We've been doing so much inner work about what's been happening with Gaza and everything. It dances with all these things within us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it brings, brings a lot of stuff out. So yeah, in, in, in answer to Ed McKean's question, uh, yeah, just expand consciousness inwardly and outwardly, I think is the answer. Right. Daniel Victor asks, do you ever tweet anything that isn't anti-Israel or anti-USA? I mean, like a normal person? <clears throat> okay, Daniel. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's exactly what the world needs is another white Western woman talking about how bad Russia and China are. Yeah, it's, it's a vast. This is the, 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 such a dearth of, of people like that. You definitely ought to be tweeting the things that that any Westerner can see by turning any television on to any channel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just, waiting a few minutes. <laughs> uh, what is it about that? Like I get that, that all the time, no, all the I, time. I think it's just what they're used to. Like they're everything in their echo chamber is telling them, no, no, no. The normal thing is to be talking about how bad Russia is, how bad China is, how bad Iran is, how bad North Korea is, et cetera, et cetera. You're not. So what are you doing talking about this this perfectly innocuous and fine country? It's weird <laughs> and freakish. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that makes it look weird and freakish is because they're saturated in propaganda all day, and they're not used to having the power structure that they live under criticized it's so bizarre to me like it is like i don't i don't live in russia i don't live in china i i I can't do anything about that i live in the western empire i'm going to criticize my own empire it just reminds me of those people you know those kinds of people who go around um you know blaming everyone for their own problems when they are clearly the common denominator in those problems right like yeah have a self-fucking-reflection, Daniel. Like, you know, who, like, we can only change ourselves. That's primarily my response to that. My secondary response to that is that we are by far worse than any of those countries. Far, far worse. Just in this century, we have killed millions, displaced many more millions. We are the only one who keep consistently launching wars and all over bullshit. None of this is needed or real. Yeah, it's, it, it, 
it's not just the power structure we live under. It's also by far the worst. By far. Like, everyone in the world should be criticizing the U.S. empire and its allies. Yes. Everyone. everyone inside and outside of it. But the fact that we live fucking inside the empire and it is our responsibility, <laughs> it is our democratic responsibility to keep a to check on this fucking thing, on this murderous thing that is being done in our name. Of course, this should be our absolute focus on every level. So, yeah, yes. Can you think of anything more sycophantic and boot-licking and just gross than pointing your feet? It's it's, it's like someone living in Nazi Germany shaking their fists (laughs) at some other country. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Oh, they're so bad. They're such imperialists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, you have you you heard of Burma? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. You but, pathetic loser. I mean, yeah. And I know that the word whataboutism has been malformed into all sorts of kind of, it doesn't actually mean what it means anymore. But that is actually a classic whataboutism. Mm. He's saying, you know, you are trying to point to this re- very real thing that I myself, you know, am a part of and you yourself has a, like a say in. But what about that country over there? That, right. That's that's the definition of it. Uh, and then they, of course, you know, in the way that everything is twisted around into a projection, um, what about ism? You'll get that all the time for just trying to point out the empire that you're living sins. Yeah, it's a what about ism because the, the real conversation to be having is what is the worst country in the world doing? What is the worst power structure in the world doing? Who Who is the murderous asshole that is happening? If there's... You know, if you were in a room and there was one guy in the room punching everybody and stealing their wallets, that's the guy you should be talking about. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just, oh, yeah. Well, that other guy over there, he looked at a girl who's not his wife. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. not what, that's not the thing right now, man. That's a whataboutism. Shut up. Yeah, that's right. I saw him steal a song from the jukebox. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. <laughs> we're talking about the main thing here. If you're the arsehole, you should change yourself. Right. But also, like, another thing that we've found... There are so many levels to this. We really are the fucking problem. Mm. It goes so deep. You know, every time people come up with another whataboutism, like four months ago, everyone was saying, well, why are you focusing on Israel? Well, that seems a little suspicious, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and then they would bring up things like Yemen. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they would be like, why are you talking about Ye- why are you talking about Israel and not Yemen? There was a genocide there. <laughs> yeah, like, who was behind it, yeah, you prick? Yeah. <laughs> Did you know there was a war in Syria? Did you say anything <laughs> about that? Who was behind that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that pop up and then... One of the higher-ups said, yeah, let's stop that line. <laughs> let's stop drawing attention to that. Let's stop drawing attention to Yemen, especially now that we're bombing Yemen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> the that's not the country go well we fucking us. destroyed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, also I think that, that question is born, uh, for, in our particular case, is born from not really understanding Australia's relationship with Washington. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, yes. And I mean, that did take me a while to unpick how closely related we are. We, we are just basically the lapdog. We are the basement gimp of Washington, D.C. Yeah. I They're, mean, we've seen that years ago with just how how uh, deferential Australia has been about Assange. Right. Its own journalist. Its own journalist has. And we've had zero things to say about it other than, oh, it's not really our business. <laughs> it's not really our business. It's not our business. If it's our, our fucking our citizens. Bloody wants to to persecute an Australian journalist. Yeah, well, we have to say about that. Yeah. No, when when China arrested that uh, 
Chinese Australian oh, yeah. journalist for for espionage, which probably was involved in. Yeah, uh, there was an immediate humanitarian concern. There's immediately every 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 Australian official was talking about. Oh, this needs to stop. This is unacceptable. Right. Yeah. But not not with not with the their guy who had actually didn't do anything and and is being persecuted by their buddy. Talking of which, so we're a few weeks out now from the final stage of the extradition trial. M- m- most probably the final stage. Mm. I think there is some chance that it can be taken to a European court or something like that. But um, but most likely we will have, uh, you know, over the course of two days, I think it's the 21st and the 22nd of Feb. 20th and 21st, maybe 21st and 22nd for us. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, in London it's the 20th and the 21st. So all eyes should be on that. And uh, so Australia, you know, like our inextricably, we are inextricably linked with the uh, the US empire. And often like, you know, when when all other allies fall away, Australia will still be there yeah, kicking we, up the shins of G or whatever. Like, you know, right. we, yeah, for, you, with, with absolutely no benefit to ourselves whatsoever. Mm. Um, and there's a wonderful video, John, Mearsheimer that you, I try and put out there as much as possible because I think it's so enlightening <laughs> about, uh, you know, because he talks from an American perspective about why Australia will be with the US and why it's it's not in our, our prosperity interests but it is in our security interests and security will always trump prosperity because you cannot be um, prosperous if, you know, you're being bombed all the time, etc. Yeah, and, and the reason it's not in Australia's security interests is because America will attack Australia. Yeah, <laughs> will, will, yeah. make, will become an enemy. Right, he yeah. Says he's, he's, he reveals it beautifully too. It's yeah. just like an episode of The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, no, he, he's like, if you, go, if you go with China and you side with China, then you need to understand that you're our enemy. Yeah. And if you're our enemy, you do not want to find out how nasty we can be. Just ask Fidel Castro. That is perfect. Well, I've, I've watched it so many times. I know, times. we've watched it heaps. We, we, we put it out there so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's exactly where we're at. Like there really is, that, that we, do, we don't have a lot of choice. It's yeah. a non-consensual uh, relationship with yeah, that's the, the US. that's the thing we keep saying. Like Australia doesn't sign side against China with the US uh, in order to protect itself from China. Australia sides with the U.S. to protect itself from the U.S. Right, yeah, because it absolutely isn't in our interest to put ourselves at the front line of a war with China. No, but we'd rather fight China than the U.S. apparently. Uh, yeah, apparently. Rather, rather, rather than become an enemy of, of, of the, the most tyrannical power structure. And that's just sort of this unspoken premise behind all Australian foreign policy these days. And when you you can see now, you know, it is just right out there in the open how you do not want to be enemies with the US. Yeah. Yeah, that they they can make life very 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 fucking painful. Yeah, and they there there's not really any restrictions. There's nothing they won't do, basically. Don't they if you get in their way, they'll back a literal genocide if it's if it's in their advent, if it's if it's in their interest to do that. And they act with impunity. So mm. there's there's really there doesn't appear to be any kind of like overarching body like the um, even the ICJ has been completely ignored in all of this. So. Yeah, well, that's why that's why the imperialists are always taught. The empire managers are always talking about uh, the uh, what do you call it the the rules based international order right. instead of international law. law. International law is actually written down, and you can see it, and you can point to the things, and you can say this is what the international laws are. Whereas 
rules-based international order is just sort of this nebulous, unspoken thing where, where basically it just means uh, the United States gets everything at once and no one gets to do anything about it. Yeah, it reminds me of abusive parents, you know, like mm. that just basically like, well, I what I say goes and, you know, there's no rhyme or reason, just don't question. It's, you know, domination, mm. you know. Another question? Honesty Revolution asks, who do you support for president? RFK Jr. wants to reduce military <laughs> spending and close 90% of bases. Why aren't you screaming on the rooftops for him? Oh, God. This is every four years. <laughs> who do you want for president? Who do you want for president? <laughs> who do, I mean, haven't we not got to the point now where we, we all know that it doesn't matter? It's, I mean, like all the bullshit we're seeing now with Biden was Trump paved the way for it. Yeah, you know? it's just like hand over hand. It's, you know. It, and everything Trump did was paved for by Obama. It's really, it's like, it's just the empire does what it does. And then there's a different face on the logo. Like it has right. a different mascot for four or eight years. Yeah. And, you know, they're, 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 they're given a kind of like busy box um, of tools for, for them to kind of play with and and pretend that they're doing something, but like yeah, it's like the the little toy steering wheel, right. <laughs> you know, Maggie and the th- <laughs> that's Maggie Simpson and the theme song for the Simpsons. Like yeah, she, yeah. She thinks she's driving the car. <laughs> yeah, she ain't driving a car. That's a toy. Uh, yeah. That's what voting is. Uh, yeah, that's what in, in the U.S. Empire. That's a, well, when you give your little brother the Wii that isn't attached to the. Uh, to the console. Like, <laughs> right. It's just so like, he'll stop whining and asking for a turn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is voting. He's playing. Yeah. And so, you know, I do get the impression Biden, you know, somewhere deep in that frazzled brain is enjoying this. I mean, he's he like, he's a horrible person. He was, he was, he was such a whore. Anyway. actually kind of worse before he got dementia. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, turned into like, you see those video clips of him. He's just, it's just a horrifying ah! <laughs> yeah. a nightmare of a man. Right. Yeah. 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 No, no. And I think that guy still exists deep in, in that adult soup of, of a brain. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, people are coming up to him and being like, grandpa, did you know we're still bombing the Palestinians? <laughs> <laughs> Gets a smile out of him. Yeah, yeah. That is a sick fuck. But you have to be a sick fuck to get to become the president. You know, there's there's people that are in the running that seem like way better than Biden, but they'll never get anywhere near it. Right. You know, uh, Cornell West. We love him. He's he's a, uh, lo- he's a lovely guy. He's, yeah, he's beautiful. He's you know not perfect, but infinitely better than Biden. Jill Stein. She's great. Yeah. Um. But uh, they have as much chance of getting in as I do, and I'm not even running. I mean, the whole system is rigged against them. When you find mm. out about, like, you know, who who's allowed to vote and then where they're allowed to vote and uh, what ballots you're meant to be on, and it's, it's very complicated, mm. rigged just for two two parties. Yeah, it's rigged to be a two-party system, and nobody gets to be in those two parties unless there's a horrible ghoul of a person. Yeah, and then, I mean, I think the Bernie Sanders campaign convinced everyone of that, Who anyone who mm. was watching. Yeah, there's not really really any any valid reason to believe that you can vote your way into the end of the empire into the yeah the empire will never allow you to vote for the end of the empire yeah it's not on the ballot but imagine like jill stein does, does get to sit in the oval office do you think that she would be able to do anything i think she would be assassinated immediately <laughs> <laughs> what choice would they have well i mean all they 
I, the only thing that I think that the only power I think you have up there is the bully pulpit, like mm. uh, the ability well, to change. You narrative. have you have unlimited authority to start wars. <laughs> <laughs> There's no inertia on that. <laughs> yeah, you could decide that you want to nuke a Uganda. <laughs> you have lots of support for whatever. So just silly, whatever silly nonsense you want to do. Oh well, I found we found out during that ICJ thing that Uganda is actually a very, very oh yeah power. oh I forgot about that oh yeah they 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 really. Really? Yeah, Uganda, the Ugandan judge. Of the, there was a panel of like, what was it, 13 judges? Or uh, I think it's 15 f- and then two, you know, one so Israeli, altogether. one South African. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and and the only judge, the including the Israeli judge, the only judge that, that voted uh, with Israel every single time was Ugandan, not Israeli, Ugandan. Yeah. The yeah. Israeli one was mostly pro-Israel. Yeah. But the Ugandan one was the only one that was that was pro-Israel on every single issue. More Israeli than Israeli. Yeah, more pro-U.S. than U.S. The U.S. didn't vote with Israel every time either. Right, yeah. So that would be quite a shock if we bombed them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad example. <laughs> You know, there, there, like, would be, there would probably be uh, some know, resistance keep to Keep everyone on their toes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of chaos. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you can you, – let me rephrase that. There's no inertia to any sort of military action against an enemy of, of, of the U.S. empire. That really, they, they'll just – they'll let you start any wars and then they'll throw all this inertia on ending them. Right. Yeah. Maybe one more question. Oh uh, no! Th- there's another. Oh, right. there's, there's a second part to that question. It was uh, okay. RFK Jr. wants to reduce military <laughs> spending and close ninety percent of bases. Why aren't you screaming from the rooftops for him? Okay, RFK. Uh, I mean, he's he, he's probably better than Trump or Biden, but that's like that is that's not a very low bar. That is not the bar is yeah, on the floor. No, I like. I don't know. Is he even like the fact that he will not stand against Israel at all? Kind of makes me think he's full of shit about everything else too. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that was very revealing. Yeah, he's really deferential to Israel, like extremely so. Did we? Yeah, there was that interview he did with Dave Smith the other day where Smith asked him if he had any concerns about Israeli influence in U.S. politics. And there was, I'm not exaggerating, a seven-second pause. <laughs> you you counted it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> he stared and blinked for seven seconds before answering and delivering a non-answer, like a politician speak non-answer. Like just if he had any concerns about Israeli influence in U.S. politics, like any, like even members of the squad, even Bernie Sanders will tell you, yeah, I have some concerns, but, Mm. or whatever, they'll, they'll say there's, they'll say there's concerns, but then they'll say, you know, but Israel has a right to defend itself. But he couldn't even say that. Like he's way far away from being able to have any sort of real position on Israel. And if you can't have a real position on Israel, that means you don't have a real position on Iran. That means you don't have a real position on Palestine. That means you don't have a real position on any of those other Syria or any of those other countries that Israel is in a nonstop state of war with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was very telling Mm. that seven second pause, but just, you know, (laughs) I don't know, man, being a Kennedy that's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, can you, <laughs> my thought, first thought was I just think the images that are rolling through his head right now are, you know, his uncle's brain being yeah. blown. Like it's, it, it, it's a it's, fairly. Uh, every minute that goes by where your brain isn't on the hood of your car is a blessing. <laughs> It's such a thing. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I find that all very fascinating, but I'm not interested. I just, I'm just generally not interested in um, 
in presidential elections, I feel like they are used to distract uh, everyone from real issues and um, from the way that real change is made. Yeah, I think I think those people out there protesting uh, in, in pro-Palestine protests and blocking ships full of weapons and boycotting and, you know, and, even yeah. them, them TikTok TikTok kids I, I, protesting against what Israel is doing are having a much more meaningful impact in expanding consciousness and sowing the seeds for revolution and bringing about the revolutionary change that we so deeply need than anyone talking about any kind of election. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think elections are very, um, they're helpful to the status quo because they, you know, it's a lot of parades and, uh, you know, speeches and we can all talk about it, but it's meaningless fluff. It doesn't actually make any meaningful difference in, in the, you know, yeah, if you would be a threat to the empire, you don't get to get elected. That's the thing. So the, that dynamic right there just just makes it not really worthy of attention. So we do kind of tune out. The only time we ever really pay attention to who's getting elected and who the president is is to draw attention to the fact that it doesn't fucking matter. Right. Like we just hammer and Biden really hard right now to show everyone. Look, he's. They they told you that that. If Trump was elected, there would be all this, you know, racism and genocide and horrors <laughs> unfolded. And that's exactly what's happening under Biden. Right, yeah. Like the worst case drama, most drama queen thing you could imagine that people were saying about Trump, Biden is actually doing. And Trump never did in his four years. Right, yeah. And then when Trump was around, we were always, you know, because everyone had this delusion that he was some sort of anti-war president. Right. <laughs> yeah, even as he was like just bombing the Middle East and assassinating Iranian generals and starving Venezuelans and Yemenis and stuff. He was, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Arresting Assange. Yeah, exactly. And so all of that needed pointing out. But that, that was as far as our interest went. Right. And just, yeah, dispelling the illusions. That's our whole thing is just, just trying to bring about... Clear seeing, because clear seeing, becoming a truth-based society is is what will save our species. Is the, the expansion of consciousness, the expansion of truth, the expansion of understanding. Last question. Okay, so uh, this is a very Caitlin-y question. Adam Gibbard asks, what kind of world should we strive for? Skipping the how part, what kind of world should we strive for? Oh, I fucking love questions like that. Yeah, that, yeah you do. <laughs> do that's your whole thing really yeah i think the type of world i want to see is more collaboration based more creativity based intuition based insight based where we can create things without the profit motive getting a word in edgewise and i think that competitive mindset that we have you know particularly as western people like all the way through every system and all the way through our very programming, our internal programming, I would love to see that gotten rid of and that people became more playful in their collaborations with each other, less competitive. I would really love to see everyone have their own home. I want to see them have clean water and all the resources that they need to enjoy their life and for them to be able to choose what they want to do to contribute to society. And I truly believe that healthy people have a drive to contribute to society and a 
drive to create and a drive to to make things and and to be useful. And I think when you're unhealthy, you need time to to get health back together. You need time to rest. You need time outside of those systems, those competitive systems. You need to be reassured that your just your existence is enough in order to get back to a healthy state of being. I would love to see systems in place that helped people have that time to sort through their own internal bullshit and come to a place where they can feel healthy and happy and creative and contribute. Yeah. And so, but they're just kind of like, you know, my own, I I really do think it's important that people have their own vision of what is a better future. And I think that's where we really suffer. We're so inundated with dystopian fiction um, from every angle. We've been, you know, taught, like brainwashed, basically. We're given these images of like the end of days through all of our, um, our culture. And we've been given very, very few images of what it's like to live in a peaceful world. And I find it a very instructive meditation to go deep and work out what that looks like for myself on a personal basis. And I really encourage anyone listening to just do that. Just work out what what would a beautiful, healthy life look like for you, ideally. You know, it's kind of like going to Ikea and getting a box and, and, and with n- no picture of what it looks like when you've built it. We, 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 we've got all that we need here. We've got the Allen key, we've got the <laughs> screws, we've got everything that we need to create a beautiful, healthy society, but we don't really know what it looks like in the end. So Yeah, I feel like there's a, a whole shitload of information in that saying it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. Right. Like there's a, that, cause it's true. <laughs> it's very true, but it's a problem that it's true. And it's a problem that should be solved. <laughs> like yeah. that, we obviously, we can't let that continue. We need to not make it impossible to envision the end of capitalism. We need it to not be possible to not be impossible anymore to envision an end of the status quo and a new status quo in which everyone gets what they need. And we collaborate toward the good of humanity because that's where so many of our problems come in you're always talking about the oceans and stuff and like there's no profit motive to get the pollution out of the oceans that's that's a huge problem and it's a massive problem it needs to happen but it's it's not going to make anyone rich and as long as all of all human behavior is driven by the profit motive and driven by competition it never will happen so okay well our survival depends on changing getting rid of those systems then getting getting systems in place where you can clean up the oceans you can you know uh, science has suffered so much from this competition-based model because instead of having all the world's best scientific minds collaborating together yeah. and sharing information, it's fragmented into this weird thing where there's like all these scientists working on how to blow up human bodies <laughs> and on all these military <laughs> for the for the military and, and they all keep it secret from all the other militaries and stuff. Yeah. And that's where the cutting edge of most technological development happens is in fucking military bullshit. Yeah. And then everything else is all these, you know, pharma corporations and, and, and all these for profit 
companies keeping all their inventions secret and 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 if it's not secret it's trademarked and it's ours patent and yeah. or whatever you know yeah. and and then bought up and and shelved another thing that's been happening is that people have created inventions but because they were decentralized power or and gives power to individuals like you know say someone came up with a like a, a free energy system that could just sit on the top of your your apartment building or your flat or whatever and you could just have free energy uh, uh, there's no money in that so Sorry. And also, no, like, that, would ne- that would be shut down by any means necessary. Right. If you could, it's like, buy it, put it, install it, and that was it. That's like the antithesis of capitalism. That mm. is not a good business model. Um, no one's ever going to make any money out of that. And so, therefore, those sorts of ideas uh, get patented by, you know, like well meaning people, you know, these um, amazing minds come up with these things, they get patented, and then it goes and buys that patent and puts it in a drawer, and that's the end of that and mm. because you know they don't want any competition they don't want that they, they want to own the means of production <laughs> mm. so yeah and that needs that's very important and it needs to be centralized yeah that just a, the, just that thought experiment of like what would happen if someone invented a, a, the perfect energy system <laughs> like okay well it would not be allowed to exist like, no we would never that, hear about that it that shows you that that we live in a profoundly dysfunctional system that needs to change yeah. and is a, a huge inhibition to human development and human thriving. I think um, you came up with a like a metaphor we used a long time ago, which I love though. Like it's like having the profit motive, like oversee everything is just like deciding that everything needs to be made out of wood. Right. Like, like, we would get really good at woodcraft. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. We would maybe be able to do some things with wood that we can't do with wood right now. Yeah, but there's <laughs> but, plenty of things that we couldn't do. Right. It would and be, that's it what would, we Overall, got. it would be much, much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, and then, yeah, it, it's, it's just this silly, arbitrary limit that we've placed on, upon our species, and it, it's going to kill us. It's like deciding that we're going to play Monopoly and, that, and, and, and you know, it's life or death, and then that's that. Mm. You're not allowed to not play Monopoly. <laughs> Yeah. You, you you get yeah. and, born and into this world. Anyone who decides they don't want to play Monopoly is just not not doesn't get to live. <laughs> yeah, no, right. And Monopoly's a boring fucking game. I'm mm. sorry, it's awful. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I hate it. Like it just bores the shit out of me. Um, and it always ends in the same way that some some asshole gets everything and, and some kid cries. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's where we're at. We're at the um, some asshole gets everything phase of the Monopoly game that we've all been forced to play. Yeah. Non-consensually. Just, just look around. Just look around at our world right now. I say, are you really sure that this is the best it can be? Do you really believe that this is what sanity looks like? <laughs> that this is what healthy functioning? Like, of course not. Well, because I, I just don't think money values the right things anyway. Mm, no. when, when you look at the people who are adding the most value to the world, they very rarely get any money at all. Mm. And I think... Uh, the COVID lockdowns showed that the essential workers, and we, we put that word on it because they were essential, the essential workers were basically minimum wages mm. and they, they had to go to work or else things would not function. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were keeping the gears of civilization turning. Yeah, and guess how much money they get for that? Right. Zero money. <laughs> like, right, or, right. you know, basic, like, not even living wage anymore. But you, you put uh, like a 
branding on some like secretion from some animal, you know, like in a forest that, that and you destroy that forest and you uh, like eradicate that animal. You become a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, actually you become a millionaire. You become a billionaire by becoming a middleman. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, the middlemen did so well. I mean, they're getting that distributed. Yeah, yeah. If you can work out how to use people's energy and and plug it into something else and do as little as possible for yourself, that's how you make big money. Mm. That's and that's so that's what money encourages. It it encourages exploitation. Exploitation. It encourages exploitation because yeah, exploitation is profitable. And anything in, in in a system where human behavior, all human behavior is driven by the profit motive uh, on a collective level, then as long as something remains profitable, it's going to continue. As long as exploitation is profitable, you will see exploitation. As long as war is profitable, you will see war. As long as ecocide is profitable, you will see ecocide. There's no getting out of these things that are going to kill us, going to drive us to extinction with absolute certainty if uh, you, you don't end that. Yeah. You, I mean, there's there's no stop on that. Mm. So yeah, and he, even with the so-called like green revolution, uh, you know, we're we're still mining these incredibly rare minerals, and there's so much <laughs> environmental degradation from that. And you know, yeah, coups. Bolivia mm. went through a bloody coup mm. um, because of its lithium deposits. And there's still no indication that any of that, those for-profit green energy systems, are going to be able to pull us. I mean, we're still using copious amounts of fossil fuels and everything in in addition to all that stuff. We're just burning through all this energy and destroying the environment and not actually stopping. Not stopping, yeah. No, we need to stop. A lot of what we need to do is just stop. Yeah, it's just, and, yeah. and stop being stupid. Stop being crazy. Stop moving one bit of paper from one side of the table to the other side. It's not even like on a table anymore. One, one, uh, ones, ones and zeros to another place of ones and zeros. And we have whole teams of people, whole teams. I mean, one of the most employable jobs you can have now is marketing. Right. <laughs> just Con- convincing people that they need something that they don't need right that's that's your whole job imagine a world where you didn't have to do that in fact that was frowned upon like don't do that don't make people buy landfill well imagine a world without manipulation imagine a world where where manip- that wasn't guided by manipulation and was guided by truth and collaboration instead imagine a world where there was no advertising or propaganda yeah right where there wasn't necessary to to convince people to act against their interests, yeah. In order for the economy to survive, you know, in order to we, we in order to keep, keep we have to keep making products, keep product, product, product. And not only do you have to keep making products, you have to make more products every year than you made the last year. Right? It's so insane. It is so insane. And just to, the way that we set up the tax system, etc. You have to keep making more money, a little bit more money year after year, in order to remain ahead of to to be profitable. Just from a, like a mum and pop business perspective. Yeah, it's all all stacked toward growth, 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 growth. And there are, you know, the things we want to grow, like, you know, the rainforests. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no incentive for that to happen, but there's, you know, Amazon keeps growing or whatever the fuck. Yeah, the wrong Amazon keeps growing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's been lovely. 
I, I really enjoyed this, Tim, actually. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, this works so much better than the last time uh, yeah, we tried to do it. Yeah, usually we're like, I don't know. I, don't I think know. We, we, felt we found our language thing. We didn't really have our, our, our speaky words happening yeah, <laughs> for a long time. For a long time. We really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just two, two traumatized individuals who finally healed <laughs> enough to be able to get, get some words out. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's do it again. Cool. Sounds good. Okay. Bye, folks. Bye.